0: You think if I open, like the episode with an insurrection joke, YouTube's gonna get mad or like various podcast platforms? I mean, possible. Anyway, welcome to Anyball Nation. Uh, it's the Anyball Insurrection Pod. It's January sixth. I couldn't help myself. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Welcome back to Indie Ball Nation. Thank you for all the good feedback on episode one. It went well. That went well. I expected this to be a shutdown by now, and we're still here. Good job, squad. We all stuck together. We got through it together. Uh, I'm taking all the feedback under consideration. As always, as always, I'm trying to get to all the comments on social media. I'm not that important. I feel weird. If I I miss a comment back, I feel like I ignored somebody. I feel terrible about that. I'll lose sleep. It seems like I don't care about people. I do. You you don't cover any ball if you don't care about people, so I stress about that a little bit. So I'll try. If I miss your comment, sorry, that's on me. I try though. Um, other things relevant. Notice the volume issue last week. It's because I like to wander. And if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you know it's a fidgety situation. I'm doing my best. Um, it's not good. I this went to prep school for three years. Think about it. Didn't didn't go well at all. You know what happened over three years? They gave me a piece of paper. Did I graduate? No, they just lied. They said, yeah, sure, go. So a high school will get you out of here. So yeah, yeah, it went really well. But beyond that, we talked about podcast platforms there in the beginning. The show is now an Apple podcast. And I got to say, probably by the time you're hearing this, I know it should hopefully just be a few hours. We'll see how YouTube cooperates. Um, but uh, yeah, it should be probably on a few other platforms by then. Uh, but definitely throughout the week, keep an eye out on our social media. I'll be updating like, what we got. And uh, maybe I'll update the fancy little graphic that says where to find our social media platforms uh, for Indie Ball Nation and see if maybe, just maybe, I can fit somewhere like all the different platforms. Around. Or I'm just going to say all major po- podcast platforms because I'm lazy and that's probably, no, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Sorry. Probably won't even make the graphic, I'll probably just say it and then I just hope you get it. If you're listening on a podcast right now, then the problem is solved. If you're watching on YouTube, you're probably a YouTube person. I don't even know why I'm bothering with this anymore. We're going great. Let's just jump into the news for the week. This is a garbage fire. Frederick, episode two, we're in full garbage fire mode. Terrific work, everybody. Indie Ball Nation, welcome to the vibe. Frederick has announced that Mark Minakazi is their new manager. That's the headliner. Further info is coming Monday morning at a press conference, and we got questions, bro. We got questions. Because nothing is clear. They, I mean, if you go to the Frederick Keys website, there's no mention of this team. There's no mention of Mark Minakazi. So are they making their own website? Is there a new brand? That feels like a bigger-than-one-year move, and there has been some conjecture, some rumors, the rumor Millis is spinning, saying that, uh, yeah, Frederick is going to be going for a more than a one-year thing with the Atlantic League, which begs more questions. Okay, Hagerstown and Maryland both moving in is a good move. Three Maryland teams all together with Southern Maryland. Cool vibe. Good little rivalry. Southern Maryland, poor Blue Crab's been on their own forever. All bad bus trips. Like, their closest ones, like two or three hours. Two, I think, is York. Um, That's a bad look. So I like them getting, you know, some closer competition. Good call by the Atlantic League if that is what they're doing. I mean, even getting Hagger sounds to step up. But um yeah, man. Uh I don't know. Frederick would be interesting. Frederick, like let's say what it is. Frederick got cut from minor league baseball for a reason. So, there's that. Positive, wasn't fan support. Fan support's always been good. I remember that I used to work for Wilmington Carolina League. Uh, they always vibed. They always seemed to do fine. Um Frederick seems to have a good fan base and I think they have the best attendance in the draft league right now. Um that, that ain't nothing, and the draft league, I'm going to tell you, is not nearly as good a competition as the Atlantic League. In fact, the Atlantic League is better than the high A ball that they were watching for a very long time the Carolina League. I think more than likely Frederick fans would enjoy Atlantic League baseball. Hopefully, this is where it gets a little you know anxiety-producing if we're trying to sell the city of Frederick and their fan base on the idea of Atlantic League baseball. Well, I would really hope this team's on a garbage fire. <laughs> like... Uh, Certainly, it'll be better than the travel team. The Genomes were not a bad team last year. Genomes didn't get many fans last year. Enough. How bad did it go? Well, the owner just sold the team. So, that's how bad it went. Um, Yeah. So, you'll want to keep an eye on that if you're Frederick. Um, we'll talk a little bit more, maybe, about that. Well, no. I mean, might as well be talking about now. It'll be interesting. Mark Minikazi is a good start. We'll, we'll refocus on just the actual like news piece right now and maybe come back to conjecture a little bit later because they do have a press conference as I said on Monday morning. Um, Mark has, this is team three in three years. Mark, I mean the GMs got off to a great start. It's not easy. Um, I think it was especially def- difficult probably keeping a team together in Lexington last year because I know it was not an ideal situation for anybody. Um, but this is team three in three years for Mark. And Maybe this is a good thing because Mark was uh, tight with the former owner in Lexington and he was also the owner in Charleston where Mark worked in 2021. So um, Minikaze has a job that uh, his friend did not hire him for. So that's a plus. Um, and that's a good thing. And I think it's going to be a big year for him. He, he made the playoffs in 2021. He was close. They they made a push, which is impressive for a one-year team. Very hard to sign players to a one-year team. Um, you know, especially when they're in the genomes. They got those uh, heinous jerseys, But Um, Mark, he made it work and I, it's going to be very interesting to see what he can do with Frederick. We're going to learn a lot on Monday and keep in mind, it's not just off the field business on Monday on the field. uh, It's going to be very, very dependent on how this press conference goes on Monday, because they're going to be talking about what the plan is. If they say this is a multi-year plan, if they say that this brand is very legit and they're putting everything into it and they're, I mean, they're going to say they're giving it the same effort as the keys, but, um. I mean, that's up in the air, right? Uh, what I noticed in Lexington last year was very difficult because you're trying to build up a fan base for the Genomes at the time, and you have no one. There's no zero attendance as a baseline. You're not getting season ticket holders back, so we're like trying to give out tickets there. But then you're also trying to get the Genomes you know, brand out there so people get excited about it, but you need to keep the Legends brand strong. You have to keep your existing brand strong because that's where the future money comes. And that's an interesting one, and, and I think it's a very... Gotta be careful, Frederick. Gotta be careful. Even if this team sticks around and becomes an Atlantic League team, and maybe the Keys brand stays, because I think the Keys brand's pretty, pretty good. I don't really know that much on that one, but um, I guess we'll see what they name this team. But if if they decide to make that move, I mean, it, they need to be very intentional about how they market it. And if they're trying to lay groundwork for multiple years, and uh, the it feels very solid, then I think they'll have an easier time getting team uh, getting players, which is important. And that's going to help the on-field product, I guess would be where I would land the plane there. Um, it, but it, I have a hard time not being negative about the Frederick situation until we know exactly what they're going for because of my experience with, and in Lexington last year and seeing what went down, talking to the players and the coaches involved and boy, was it bad. And some of it of course was the ownership, not knowing what they were doing, but, um, Man, are there some unique challenges for putting two teams in one ballpark, especially if one's new and one is possibly temporary? Oh my gosh, I don't envy it at all. And okay, what if it is a more than one year plan? Are you keeping the Keys brand? Was that due to the Keys ticket sales? Was that due? How many openings do you have? Because the other thing we learned was you can only bring down the cost of a ball game, the expense to put it on so much. It, you really couldn't bring it down really past twenty five k. Putting the lights on, concessions, water. Everything you need for that. Uh, salary of player, all of that. So even if, you know, fans got to show up because you're going to need to at least break even on those games. And even if you cut some staff short in the games that have less attendance, okay, but it's costly, man. So do not envy the decision that Frederick is in there, but they seem to have, a, they hey, if they want it, they seem to have a plan for it. They took this knowing what happened, I would assume, in Lexington last year. So Let's give them for the doubt. Let's say they have a plan. they got a good manager with Atlantic League experience and playoff experience. That's a good thing. Experience in really the exact same situation that they're in right now, which I think is fascinating. Um, we're going to move along, though, because that's not the only front office news in the Atlantic League. Staten Island announced after the news was broken by Ken Rosenthal, by the way, because of course it was. Why would it not be, like, at this point? Um, Ken Rosenthal beating me on the beat of the indie ball beat. I hate that. But that's like a New York baseball problem long island doesn't really have that happen anymore because they're so in these any streets but like a couple of times like national stories have been made of like what Staten island's up to and i'm like bro like i have a job could you not but ken rosenthal beats it to it that uh, homer bush will now be replacing edgardo alfonso as manager of staten island um edgardo had to go that was it um that was not a mystery to those of us around the atlantic league at the time there was trouble there from the jump um early on you might remember and I'm going to blank on the kid's name, which is terrible. I'm going to pull up in front of me if you don't mind my YouTube crowd. Um, but yeah, their they're best offensive weapon during a very bad, I mean a very bad opening to the season, uh, straight up left, just had a disagreement over, I think it was team pictures, and a homeboy was like, I'm out of here. And that's about when we are like, I don't think this is going very well, um, but uh but beyond that too they also had the weird thing of uh casey clemens clemens was the big signing of course getting roger clemens kid in there big deal people loved it and then uh mid season he was gone said uh, he was going like the what i was hearing from internal was he was going to be looking to get a straight release is difficult in the atlantic league and he wasn't a train wreck you know what i mean but he um uh Kevin Krauss, by the way, was the guy who, uh, after 10 games without in Staten Island, after he was hitting 308, 374, 500, I mean, gross. So, um, but yeah, Clemens, like all of a sudden he ghosted and then he was playing in Texas, like for what Cleveland, like it's, it's a tough vibe. There were questions I heard, you know, he had guys like running, like it's pro baseball. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't like to be the guy who's like, it's pro baseball. Don't run, run your own time, like run on your own time. Uh, be an adult. You don't have to show up and run polls. Um, I don't know if they're running polls, but I what I heard, uh, multiple people witnessed it and texted me and were like, you gotta see what's going on with Staten Island. So that's when you know it's a problem. Um don't want to dogpile on that one, but Alfonso, that was a foregone conclusion, he was gone. Homer Bush is an interesting person to bring in. Uh managed by Hunting Valley scrappers to a 32 and 47 record. That's not impressive. That was Draft League last year. We were just talking about Frederick in the Draft League. Big Draft League pod today. Uh the team, though. That doesn't look good. 32 and 47, and then you go right to the Atlantic League. But I'll say this. The team was actually... I've seen some of them. Their game, it's not individuals. It's as a team. The team was actually probably a bit worse than that record. Like, they probably... The fact they got to 30 wins, again, they went 32 and 47, is probably a good thing. Uh, That's probably well done by him. He probably got all he could out of that team. Um, And and I would assume, too, Mahoning Valley and... um, Staten Island, I mean, they have a relative history. They're relatively close. Um, I would say, I don't think that Staten Island's making the signing blind um, by any means. I mean, they, I know, they don't really, I don't know why I thought they had some sort of like shared relationship, but no, they were with the Indians forever. Um, the RIP Indians, um, welcome back to the party, their guardians. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I thought they had more of a connection there, but uh, well, that brings back my sort of valid concern, which was, though, I do think the team probably did well for what they were. Um, the draft league, which is connected to MLB, is not exactly a pro league. It's a college summer league, and it's a, it's a fancy college summer league. What's a college summer league? And this is now the second uh, fairly inexperienced manager in a row for the uh, Staten Island Ferry Hawks here, and last year was a mess. I would have looked probably a little more veteran, even if you're not finding the most cutting-edge dude, but the one who just brings some like solid consistency to the party but uh yeah fonzie heading out there is not surprising i do think homer bush i don't see any red flags so good awesome and hopefully he does well i mean i'm not here to like it is indie ball this is where you, you get your start like richie Saxon last week we were talking about richie Saxon getting added by um windy city as the new manager and being like yeah richie Sexton, cool 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 cool. the dudes never manage but uh so it would be hypocritical to sit here and look at homer bush and go i don't know about that when he managed fairly well last year so it's just, it's different. You're dealing with four-man guys, but I mean, Homer Bush is four-man guys. So, you know what? I'm talking myself into this. I'm talking myself into it. I think Homer Bush is probably a good ad. It's a good job. Good job, Fairy Hawks. There you go. Kudos to the Fairy Hawks. I know it was a little rough on you last year. Uh, It was easy. And uh, sorry. Nah, sorry-ish. But uh, yeah, I think good call. Good call by the squad. Um, Looking elsewhere around the uh, Atlantic League, might as well. Uh, Lexington added a front office. Uh, Well, a GM Justin Ferrarella nailed that. I think I nailed that. Justin, if you're watching, which you're not because you've been warned not to watch the show because me and Lexi don't get along, um, tell me if I nailed that. I think I nailed that. feel pretty good about it. Um, he was the GM of the Sussex County Myers since 2017 by all accounts. He did a very good job. I uh, got them into the Frontier League. Now he's on to other things, which is a choice. Um, yeah, I-, I don't know what to make of that. Best of luck, man. I think he could be uh, – there's a lot they got to do. Uh, Last I heard, they need a lot of renovations on that stadium in Lexington. Hope you're good at balling on a budget, my brother. Um, Moving along, though, out of that, talking some player news. Let's get on the field, man. Let's have some fun on the field. Uh, Gunnar Kynes, who has been dealing. Gunnar Kynes has been disgusting this offseason. He's been hanging out in Perth, Australia, dealing it for the Perth Heat. And it was just announced that he will be re-signing this year with the Gastonia Honey Hunters. That's a great move by them to bring him back in good piece of a potential second run back to the playoffs for Gastonia. He only pitched seven innings for them this year, but he was gross in those seven innings, nine Ks and seven. Now he is in Australia, 41 and two thirds innings with 41 Ks. Be nasty. He has how many hits? How many hits is he allowed? 33 hits and 41 and two thirds. Disgusting. Gunner kinds. Disgusting. I'm amazed you're allowed in Australia with that kind of arm. They don't let you bear arms out there. They're not one of those countries, but my man's bearing arms and slanging it. So good for him. Uh, I don't have projections up for him. Uh, I will have projections for a couple of guys coming up. Um, I'm going to try as I can when players come up in uh, the podcast episodes. or Sorry, podcast, YouTube show, whatever. Show episodes we're going to go with for now. And uh, I'm going to be trying my very best to have projections ready to rock for guys. But I made that decision fairly late in the game today. And then the day got busy as I've been over twice now. So we're all just going to be cool about these things. And uh, so I only have projections for a few guys. But if we're looking big picture here, I will have projections for every player just about and uh with that for every team and we'll be going that over uh season previews as opening days approach. So look forward to that. And as I said I'll touch on them as guys get signed and things like that. Moving to the American Association. Yeah we're having a beverage by the way over here so don't mind me. Uh it's a Friday night and we're talking ball so why would I not? Okay. So talking American Association, a couple notable signings. Um Actually, the first two are the guys I have projections for because I was just interested, so I went with it. Um, it, it Cleburne brought in uh, Gersel Petra. I want to say Gersel. Uh, they said he was an outfielder in the uh, signing announcement. I, yeah, He's played four games, I think, of outfield in like Venezuelan Winter League, and that's it. That's the only outfield. He's played like shortstop and catcher a lot. So uh, I think he's played catcher a lot is what I'll say. Um, I don't think he's, actually, I don't know if he's played shortstop, but I think it was he played some, first base and catcher. I don't my shortstop it in my head, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, it was interesting when I say that. So I guess they're playing on him being an outfielder. though. He has not played outside of Venezuela in the Venezuelan winter league since 2019, but he's almost always been a solid hitter. I mean, he's got a nine forty OPS in Venezuela this winter, which is saying something, man. So it's, it's a good, that's a good outing. That's if you're doing well in Venezuela, you should do well in the American association. Um, but here's the problem. He doesn't play much. Uh, he's played less than half of his team's games. And, and I think that's. Fascinating to say the least. Um, he's only top sixty games once in nine pro seasons. I think it was twenty seventeen. Last time he hit fifty games. So yeah, it, interesting. It's a little difficult because he hasn't been outside the Venezuelan in Winter League in a while. Uh, it's a, it's a league with some good top level talent, and that can stick around the bench for a while. But um I'd assume it can't be health that often. So maybe um, I don't know. I'm not seeing him in the cage. You know what I'm saying? Seeing him on the feelings doing well, but um there might be a reason he's on the bench but that's leads us to i mean the question of uh i mean with, well with that in the American association we're tracking the roster rules we can only have so many quote veteran players who have played uh so many seasons uh not all seasons count as a season you have to play a certain number of games have a certain number of bats, at bats It's 75 at bats i believe um and he's i think he still might not count as a veteran spot for cleveland which is a good get for them if that's the case um However, projections, they they like him. The projections say he could be a a baller in the American Association, but they also can't predict him to play more than 40 games because how could you at this point? So it's going to be something to watch, uh, see how he comes in, uh, what shape he's in, and um, I assume he'd be human-shaped, but, you know, like fitness level. Um, I think it'll be kind of interesting to see how that goes and uh, see if he does seem like he's the kind of guy who can play a full season. Maybe this is a show-me season, which is a big deal. That's a good place to do it. It's an indie ball, especially the American Association. The other notable signing from Cleburne is Engelb Vielma. Nailed that. Um, <laughs> he didn't play much last year, but he has looked good in Venezuela and projects as like a 250 ish hitter with not much pop, likely not a top-of-the-line starter in the middle infield, uh, but he should be a, serv- a serviceable option for Cleburne. Uh He's a cup-of-coffee guy, by the way. Six MLB games, one hit. Can't take that from him. Love it for him. We love that. We love a cup-of-coffee guy here, man. It's a specialty. Uh, Eli Villanueva, cup-of-coffee guy, by the way. Facts that's like one of my favorites to touch in you all lately. Um, Lincoln Salt Dogs, they re-signed Drew Devine. No projections from here on out, as I said, but, um, yeah, we'll circle back to Drew Devine. He's going to be noteworthy for Lincoln. Uh, he's been good for the last couple of years, like a 270-ish hitter with them. So that's good to see him come back. Uh, he's played a little bit more. Uh, he, he was a backup, I believe last year. So it'll be interesting to see if he works way into a starting role this year, what that, uh, depth chart will look like. Uh, as I said, I will get those projections up, and we'll have some good in-depth discussions of all of these teams before they kick off opening day. Um, also, uh, when it comes to projections, by the way, I'm considering doing a side episode for my nerdy people here that want to know how to do indie ball projections because it's a garbage fire. So I think we could do a fun little episode on that. So we am going to do a little side one, like a Wednesday drop maybe. Uh, keep me in the loop if you want to see that. We're going to switch it up, though, heading out of the American Association to the Frontier League. The Ottawa Titans re-signed outfielder Jake Sanford. Uh, and then yesterday, the Washington Wild Things re-signed 2022 rookie of the year, Kobe Foster. Uh, Kobe, that's a good thing to see him come back. I mean, that was kind of, I think no one's surprised by that, but it's good to officially hear with guys like that. Uh, uh, he didn't play a lot of games last year, but he is always you know, curious to see if he's going to get picked up by somebody after the year he had in the frontier. In the Pioneer League, Lamar Sparks, he was acquired by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, he was a Missoula Paddlehead. God, I love Paddlehead's name. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, they've had a couple guys signed recently, so it's good for them. Uh, I think, or else I just keep seeing the same news over and over again. Looking at our final topic before we get into sort of the, uh, I guess, the main discussion that we're into, and then we call it a day here, uh, it's the interesting thing across my radar, and and it's been tough to gather all the details because the leagues aren't super open about it, but from what I've gathered, here's what I've got. Uh, In the past, it's been a little bit inconsistent between leagues, and it's sort of varied year to year, about what the policy is for contract purchasing, because an MLB team, if they want an indie ball player, who's on an indie ball roster, they have to purchase that player's uh, rights, that contract, off of the indie ball team. Uh, During the offseason, I think it's like 15k just about across the board. Not sure what the Pioneer's up to, but I think it's about 15k to get a player during the season. Uh, During the offseason though, uh, it seems to be, it's fluctuated in the past, but now this year, across the four partner leagues, the Pioneer, Frontier, Atlantic, and American, uh, it would seem that they have now sort of a solidified, uh, you do have to purchase that contract policy, and there's a sort of Likely, from what I've heard, at least in a couple leagues, and I again, piecing together, some leagues are forward about different parts of this, and others are forward about other parts, and you got to kind of combine here. But uh, the details I'm getting are, there's definitely sort of tiered structures that exist, and depending on when a guy's contract is purchased during the offseason, there's a different price for it. And then uh, if they decide to keep the player and they don't cut him during camp, then uh, the player, they pay out like the rest of the 15K, like whatever else is there. Um, that seems pretty solid across the leagues in some form. Uh, but it is interesting. And I would say it is interesting one because, okay, like it's always nice if you can, you know, reduce the boundaries to signing a player that is good for the player. Uh, is that good for the bottom line of the team? Arguable, but I would say long-term, I think it comes out in the wash. If not, it's better for the team to have players getting signed because then more players want to come to you and fans want to come and, uh, down the rabbit hole that goes. However, uh, I'm more... Interested, looking forward. As I touched on in episode one, that not everyone loves MLB's involvement in the, uh, as they would call them, the partner leaks. And it's fascinating to see MLB can just because this is the interesting news. Sorry, I should have led with it. Buried the lead, right? What is said is that MLB was the one who said, "Yeah, we really like this to be the case," and, and there was some reasoning behind it. I actually got the reasoning from three different people, and it was a little different every time. So. Who knows? It could be whispered down the lane. It could be different people being told different things. It could be MLB telling people different things uh, based on who they're trying to bring into uh, their line of thinking. But it's probably just you know miscommunication, different understanding of what's going on. But it is fascinating anytime MLB decides that they want to be involved in the business of indie ball because for years they did not. For years they did not not like indie ball, and then all of a sudden they want it. They say, "One baseball, we're all under the same roof," and start throwing in experimental rules that can. You know they can use them like guinea pigs if they want the players and uh you know they i'm sure there's money exchanged in some form that's never been confirmed either but common sense would tell you it's a business partnership i'm sure they're not just saying you can use our logos they're friends uh, so it's interesting to see mlb coming in and saying hey this is how you should work your off-season contracts with our teams so it's something to keep an eye on it's going to be something that i'm going to do more research on hopefully i'll have a good follow-up um a good follow up for you on that one I wish I had more specific really working it's also part of the reason this is a little bit delayed yet now is I, I spent last night instead of working on the podcast I was really really digging trying to find some more information on it but I just couldn't couldn't get uh, more than probably six or seven sources across the four leagues and a lot of them were saying different stuff so it, it's tough you gotta kind of check everything and some stuff you know I would ask somebody well what about I heard from someone else that this was the case and they go oh yeah like that at times it's not even that you know the information's inaccurate. It's just like, oh, they didn't even think to mention that piece because there's so much minutiae to these contracts. So keep that in mind moving forward. Before we hop in to the final bit of our conversation for this episode, I, I do want to stop and say, give us a follow on social media. This is it. It's the plug. It's happening now. Uh, doing it mid-episode. Throw them all off. I don't care. Uh, social media, follow us. Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we don't do Facebook. We don't care. Uh, but Twitter and Instagram is at IndieBallNation. And follow on the YouTube channel where you're watching on the YouTube channel already. Subscribe. Get notifications. There you go. Real YouTuber stuff. Now that's out of the way. Put on your Viking caps. It's January 6th. We're taking over indie ball. Uh I threw it out to the followers. I was like, yeah, what, if you could change anything, if you were given all authority over indie Ball or the league that you love, whatever the case may be, what would you change about it? And I got some money responses. And we're going to take these responses and we're going to put them on. Uh, like the grid the big main four grid here which is basically on one side you got good ideas on the other side you got bad ideas on one side of the four sides you've got uh, this could happen this could not happen you kind of scale it like is it a good idea but there's no way it happens is it a good idea but it could happen is it a bad idea but there's no way it happens don't sweat it or is it a bad idea and oh boy that thing could actually happen so let's jump in there there was some good probably like a dozen ideas something like that i probably could count it but here we are now um there's I'm going to be scaling it. I'm going to put in the scale on Not you. It's me. There's going to be a lot of opinion on this. I apologize for that because my opinion is usually trash. But um, at least I'm self-aware. So we'll start at the most popular ones I got some feedback on. Uh, and this was probably not one that you're a stranger to, if you, especially if you listen to like the Indie Ball Report pod. And a reminder, Nick will be on. Uh, Nick Firestone will be on from Indie Ball Pod. He'll be on our show next Friday as the first ever Indie Ball Nation guest. Definitely take a listen there. He talks about it a lot. The idea of an indie ball World Series, a postseason tournament between the champions of the four major independent leagues. And I've heard this before. I love I want it. I want it. Don't get me wrong. I want it. But, like, there's so many issues with uh, this idea, guys. It, it's the travel. I mean, where are you, you going to put it? Who's going to be paying for the travel? It's the lengths of the seasons being different. Indie, uh, the different leagues end at different times. So what are you doing? Like, do you have to now line up all the leagues? Well, the start times are important you can't start the pioneer league at the same in april like you do for you know the atlantic league it's montana can't do it so uh, there's complications there uh, you got guys you know they have an understanding of how many games they're playing and then all of a sudden you're throwing a question mark in there uh and maybe an added week probably with travel uh with winter ball that's another issue I and mean, we were already losing guys to their their winter ball contracts depending on when your season's ending especially in the atlantic league which ends later um you know it, are we doing a series? Are we doing a series? Because here's the thing: you got four teams, right? So if you're doing best of three, okay, so you got a three game series and you got another three game series. That's if it's a short series. That's a week already. So maybe a week to get it all set up and ready to go. So it's two extra weeks on the back end of the season, and weather is happening because it's like October, and none of the indoor teams have a dome. Because why would we? Um, I just think there's a lot of issues with it, and I know that might be a hot take because we all want to see it. We all want it. Uh, But I do think it's a bad idea and I do think it won't happen. I just don't see it happening. Um, I was was super negative about it. I mean, it'd be fun, uh, but I just don't know how we would possibly get that thing pulled off. There's so many headaches to it. Um, I do, however, and if you're a follower, you might know this, have an alternative. And I do think it's a good alternative. Uh, And my idea is the All-Star Showcase tournament for Indie Ball, for the partner leagues, if you have to officially brand it that way, which I won't. and this would be a normal all-star break like you would have uh, in every season except the Atlantic League for whatever reason. Um, And it would be each league has one all-star team and they would send it to a central location. One of the leagues would host every year and it would be four games in one weekend. It would probably, I guess, would be a double header. You take, so call it off day Friday, travel day, uh, maybe off day Thursday if you want to get along with it. Um, Go ahead and do a... Uh, Saturday, two games, you would say random draw, that's fine. Say like American Association against the Frontier in the afternoon, uh, the Atlantic League against the Pioneer League in the evening. The winners play each other Sunday night. The losers play each other Sunday afternoon, consolation game. So each team's guaranteed two games. Um, you know, if you you'd probably do like some sort of like gimmick, like the home run derby, probably do the home run derby as the tiebreaker. So you're not, you know, stretching pitching staffs because two all streams is a lot to ask. Um, and I think it would bring a lot to the table. I think having the four league all-star teams, not just the champs. Because, look, if you take a championship team, sure, they're going to have a good team. But you still got like some stragglers on that team that are just filling benches. And those guys probably ain't getting signed. Uh, but if you got the all-stars of the Pioneer League, they're going to be young, the best young guys that that league has to offer. Frontier League, pretty much same thing. The American and the Atlantic League, those are going to be a lot of the most signable guys. And, you know, sure, they're going to have some of the vets who are just there. They're probably not super signable. But that's good because that means – Everybody's getting a shot to play against real talent. If you're a Pioneer League guy, what is the biggest knock against you? It's that, like, yeah, but could he do it outside the Pioneer? Well, put you know, put Gunnar Kynes on the bump. Like, let's see how he does against them. An Atlantic League stud. Like, if you can, that's the real spot where you can prove it. Um, If you're an Atlantic League guy, get out there. You can, you know, you're competing against the best that the American has to offer, uh, and the Frontier have to offer, and even the Pioneer League guys. You know, give them, see what happens. I think it would bring a lot to the table. I think the marketing of it is a lot clearer, having to explain to whatever market is hosting, whatever city is hosting, like, well, there's four indie leagues and they all have like these champions and all the champions come here and it's cold, but please come out. I think it's far more, you know, I think it's clearer to be like, we got the four all-star teams of these four leagues. They're playing each other. Come check it. Uh, I think if you're a scout, it's a all of a sudden become something that you really want to see because all these great players are in one spot. You got about a hundred ball, you figure 25 are off. So you got a hundred guys there who are some of the best indie ball players out there. Um, and I think there'd be plenty of action. I think it's a good ticket to sell and you could sell like packages for it. I think it's, I think there's potential there. There are issues, cost and revenue split teams within leagues can agree on cost and revenue split. Like without drama, I think it will probably be, it would be a headache with four leagues trying to do it. Um, it's a gamble for the better leagues. If you're the Atlantic League or the American Association, what do you really have to gain, especially the Atlantic League, who's always been able to be like, we're the best league. Well, now if the American Association comes in and punks you with their all-stars, well, maybe not. If you get upset by the Pioneer League because, like, guys got a hot day on the bump and, like, you guys can't get it going, he's just had a weird travel day, it, yeah, like, it could really hurt. You could argue it hurts the brand a bit. Um, so that's something to consider. I could see leagues not liking that for sure. If you're the Pioneer, you're running the risk of getting run Sure, we don't expect you to win, but like that's cool because like if you pull the upside, sick, but you could get run, man. And it could, you know, I could see them not liking that. So that is something to keep in mind. And for that reason, I also think, you know, I think that is a good idea, but I also don't see that one happening, unfortunately. But something to keep in mind if you know they ever have the opportunity to do something like that. I like the Indie Ball Partner League all-star showcase idea. Uh all-star showcase weekend. Brand it however you want, but brand a partner league, whatever. Semantics. Moving right along. Indie ball rankings. We on it. Already on it. We're going to have, hopefully we're going to have a vote. We're going to have some like people close to the, the, to all the leagues. Uh, It's going to be a smaller thing. And as a couple of seasons go on, we're going to sort of grow our voter base to have good representation across the board. That representation is going to be kind of general, like people who know each league really well. And then it's going to have to be more like hopefully down to like the team level, like somebody kind of around each team or involved with each team. Um, I also have been cooking up so like a sort of possible BCS style ranking. Yeah, I remember the BCS. Um, explain like more of like an equation, like based on how you do what your ranking would be. Um, I posted like a sample of what it would look like based on just last season, not like weighted for like the most recent, whatever. People talked about it a lot and people were not happy about it. Love it for me and for them, whatever. But um, it, there were some people who were like, no, you can't compare teams in different leagues. Yes, you absolutely can. In fact, it is easy. It's easy too. We can compare teams in different eras. We have stats for that, actually. We have numbers for it. That's what OPS Plus is for. That's ERA Plus. That's what it's for. We can compare players from every era. We can compare, absolutely then compare them to other leagues. If you're signing one guy in one league into another, then you are also projecting what he's going to do in this league. So if you can do that, you can, of course, compare the teams and rank them. Um, Yeah, I mean, if I recall, the big question mark was where did Missoula end up? Probably seventeen-ish. That's not bad for a Pioneer League team. That's in the top twenty. Sick. Uh, so keep an eye on that one. Good idea and possible uh, and very likely because it's happening right now. <laughs> um, Keeping looking promotion relegation. Fun idea. Love that concept. Um, like I guess what you win the American, you go to the Atlantic. You are bottom of the Atlantic. You go to the American. Cool. Um, fun idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. It like let's for a number of reasons. Business concerns. Yeah, you're a League team now, you're trying to sign like a sponsorship deal, but like you're trying to get the city on board with some project you have, but like oh, next year you could be like a couple of bad seasons, you could be a Frontier League team, very different situation. That's not as bad, but like if you're a Frontier League and you end up in the Pioneer, that doesn't work. Everyone's out west. What about the travel cost? So it doesn't work. Roster rules are all different, which is kind of fun, but that's a headache if you're doing that. People wouldn't get what the hell is going on, you know what I mean? Like People would be like, people can barely understand indie ball. They're not going to get the relegation thing. Like, oh, now, like, Missoula plays in New Jersey five times a year? Like, why? That's fun. Like, no one's going to follow it. Like, if the team's bad, certainly no one's showing up, like, wondering how the relegation standings are going. No shot. So, yeah, nah, I love it. But no, that's a bad idea, and it's not going to happen. Uh, getting rid of the third strike rule. I think it was suggested by the Aussie king himself, Todd Van Steensel. G'd out would um, out. The drop third strike rule, if you're familiar, it's you got to catch a third strike. If not, you got to throw it. Uh, down to first and get the guy out uh, if you're the catcher. Bold choice. Um, The rule, if you look, if you're trying to justify the rule, uh, there isn't one. There has never been a good justification for the rule. Um, The rule dates back to the 1845 Knickerbocker rules, uh, which were drawn up for the game of baseball, the new game of baseball. Um, I believe at that time, was that the first ever version of the game where the pitcher wasn't trying to get the hitter to hit the ball and put it in play? Um, But yeah, the game essentially there was the concept of you had to have like a, a, the end of an out was the ball being caught. Like it would always have to end no matter what the ball had to be caught to like punctuate an out. But that wasn't even the basis of the rule necessarily. That was from a German game um, by the same name. If I recall, I think it was also named like baseball, some version of baseball. And um, yeah, they, <laughs> it was uh they just took that like they just took they were like oh yeah that rule and because in that game you have to like catch it to make it out that's also what we do here and now it's a rule it's 2020 it is almost 200 years later and that's the rule off of the knickerbocker rules for baseball so i there's no reason for it i think it's a good idea to get rid of it it's dumb it makes no sense and it's actually possible wouldn't change anything stats would not remarkably change wouldn't be like well that was in the drop third strike era no that would not happen. So no, get rid of it. It's so stupid. It would, could be, now you got guys run down to first. That's a high entry play for first baseman too. If you're talking safety, if we're expanding bases, mm, pull it. That rule's dumb. Uh, move right along. Uh, more than anything, uh, this this was the tweet. More than anything, I, want, I would want the publicly available stack SD to be put on a Fangraph Savant type site. That's a great call. I believe multiple people sent me that. That was probably the most popular one other than the usual Indie Ball World Series. Uh, I believe that was from The Honey Set on Twitter. I agree completely. Um, I'm still acquainting myself to other leagues. I assume the American has stat cast data of some sort, or at least tracking data. Um, I know the Atlantic League does. And you guys remember the auto, the, the RoboZone? Yeah, you remember. Uh, so they had the ball tracking going on. Uh, Frontier, I don't know. Pioneer, I don't know. I'll have to ask around on that one. But point being... None of them have it publicly available which sucks. Uh one, it's actually very difficult for the players to even get it. Like I have if you go to my Instagram, I literally have an instruction for how to like you have to like hack the URL like switch what the URL is like from an MLB game with Statcast on Baseball Savant and like take the game code from an Atlantic League game on the Atlantic League website and put it in the URL and then it's why what are we doing here? Like it's it's a very strange thing. Um it, so it's just bizarre that whole process and you there's no easy way to sort that data you can get game by game data so if you're trying to do like game packs or like data packs for people um you don't got it i know um there's the other data company i'm gonna forget their name um whatever oh i'm gonna forget them base Yakertech. tech that's the one Yacker tech's doing something but like they've been doing something you know what i mean so like do it or don't I guess they've been talking about getting into parks forever, but I haven't seen them much. So I hear good things. I know some colleges use them, but right now the only ones that I have much that I know of is the Atlantic League. I'm sure other teams have other things, but other leagues have other things. But yeah, man, it's got to be available. Like if we're trying to give these guys the best possible chance to get pub like publicized as being very good and get data out and get signed, then that's what we. Need. That's no questions. What needs to be done? It's a good idea and it's definitely possible. The data's there. You just have to put it out and make it public. That's all I gotta do. You gotta sort it into a different database, which is like half a deal with baseball, Savannah probably, and or like um, StackCast or whoever it would be. StackCast I think is owned by MLB, so you're a partner. Figure it out. Uh, Sorry, that bothers me, but continuing. Uh, As for the Olympics specifically, that um, (laughs) the players and teams would need to be marketed more. "Quote: Scott Kazmir and Rich Hill played here." Unquote. Isn't cutting it. Hilarious. That's hilarious. And agreed. um, Possible and necessary. In summary, um, Atlantic League's marketing is terrible. Um, yeah, it would, if you've ever heard me talk about the Atlantic League marketing, it's garbage. Uh, it's a shame. They're, they should be the best indie league, and they continuously punt their communication. And, um, yeah, yeah, and they do. They just constantly post like weird things like, Rich Hill played here. Rich Hill played there for like two two games, I think. And that's like their big flex because he's pitching and he's like a grandpa. So, cool, man. I mean, like I'd be more hyped that Ricky Anderson played here back in the day. And I get that he hasn't played there in so long, but, dude, it's Ricky. Yeah. Um, Longer series and homestands, let's travel for everybody involved. Not a bad idea. It's already done in some leagues. I know that. Um, don't love everything about a long series. I don't love if you're the first pitcher. You have to pitch against the same team twice in a week in game six. That sucks. Now you're getting screwed there, bud. But uh, I guess you just take your lumps. You know, that happens even with the current series setup. You know, if you play a team one weekend and then you go somewhere else for three and then you come back and play them, you're going to pitch against them twice in a row. Uh, Lanthi was famous for that. They had guys. I think Spencer Bivens. I don't know. It might not have been, but I think Spencer Bivens might have, like, thrown a high point like four games around like five out of six or something so stupid like that it kept happening um which yeah that's a rough one um yeah with that there was a similar one actually i'll, I'll go with the same thing uh with that possible uh, i don't love it necessarily i think it's very close to a it's around the line good idea bad idea but it is possible if they just wanted to do that there's no reason they couldn't um not have teams play each other over 30 times in one season if you can help it aopb mini, two or four more teams no they don't Nope, they don't. You can do it. They did for years. Um, If eight teams did an even schedule, what is that? Divided by like 120, 120, That's playing everybody 17 times if you play 120. So what, maybe max 20 times? Uh, The genomes and legends play each other 37. I might play 40 times. It's something ridiculous this year. Um, That was a weird one because... They try to match up the local teams to each other, and obviously in Lexington they shared a ballpark, so they were local. And then there was some weird scheduling thing where they basically traded games out, and like they played six extra games against each other during the year to like make up for it. It was a mess. It was a garbage. Lexington was a garbage try, if you can't tell. But um, no, the team should never be playing each other thirty times. It's bad. It's a bad look, and it's a shame too, because like Lancaster and Southern Maryland should have been such a hype series. It was a five game set. And it it did work out because like it was a it was a banger of a series in the playoffs this year. But like at the same time, like we saw them play so much like before. Like it's just tough. Um yeah, fully on board with that. And it's not that hard. Uh in the Lanklings defense, by the way, uh it people last year did not like the schedule when it came out. They paid someone like ten grand to do it. They got on board with uh was it Johns Hopkins, I think has like the schedule making program that they run for a bunch of leagues and uh they did it this year it's a theirs is if i recall it's like preference based where you basically put in you have like a number of like points or chips you kind of put in on different dates you want games and then it decides who gets what home games and then it makes the schedule in a way that's not a garbage fire uh this one last year had like a lot of weird stuff like a team playing in long island and then in lexington then back in long island it's like why would you ever do that uh longest it's like a 13 hour drive or something stupid so yeah that was not necessarily the league's fault i they put their faith in the wrong person with that which is their fault but i it's easy to jump on them for what happened there. I do need to check the schedule a little bit better because I'm sure they have something close to it this year, but they are getting better, to be fair. Moving back, we're sort of finishing on the last couple here. Um, get rid of the pass ball rule. Oh, we're back to the Atlantic League. Yeah, no, that's got to go. The If you don't know, the Atlantic League, I think, still might have. Again, they haven't announced what the rule changes are for this coming year, but the dumbest of the experimental rules, the if it's pass ball or just any pitch, you can just steal first. No, uh, players hate it. Um, no one does it. And if I'm honest, like I never understood it, it kind of poked a hole in a lot of things where they're like, these are the possible future rules. And it's important to test. but that was never going to be approved by MLB player association. It doesn't make any common sense. So if that's not ever going to be approved, then why are we doing this? Like, what is this charade that bothers me? Um, that bothers a lot of people. Uh, so hopefully that goes away. Good idea. Very possible. Just tell them me now. Yeah. Just tell them now uh no more turf mounds hate it they're bad dangerous they fall apart some guys you know they like use that unnatural surface to like increase the amount of torque they're getting so you got dudes do to just deal off turf mounds um dudes I've seen guys roll out in, like metal spikes just tear that thing up even worse than of course they already do just doesn't belong on Pro on Pro mounds. there's like the you know field playing some amateur ball you got to get a mound out there that's like consistent and solid sure but like it just doesn't hold up to pro mounds it doesn't that wear that force that like goes into it from a pro pitcher dude lexington had what um jj hoover out there the big dog on the turf mound. he busted that thing in a day it just isn't designed for that like you got to really manicure it i one i've heard is high point apparently does a very good job manicuring the turf mound that's cool um i just don't see it as a good idea and I don't think people like it. I think it increases pit, the, the injury rate. Again, if you take good care of it, perhaps it doesn't. But we know about dirt. We know all about dirt. It's a solid, it's, it's, it's we know, like we've played it. We've played it on it forever. A turf field with dirt. I understand you can't move it to do your concert. Tough. Mark out around it. Put a little, the little things you use to queue up the concessions line there to say you can't go here. And then you're fine. Uh-huh. Don't overthink this. Um, yeah, that drives me crazy. Uh, because even the turf field's like, ah, oh, sorry. Like, I know, don't. Nope, it's bad. It's bad. Yes, it's a good idea of them. I don't think it's possible. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think teams are going to endeavor into that. Um, comment, uh, this one here, I mean, how much to add to it. We'll put major focus into major into former MLB players' immediate access to be signed by clubs. Uh, pushing for heavier exposure of like potential MO former MB guys who could be signed. I get that, I track that, but I understand. It could be tough to like market. I guess it's a little tough to like market like guys who could sign here because every time that they don't, it's like, oh, they didn't. And that's like kind of becomes a tough sell. But when a guy like Julio Tehran, who this guy mentions, uh, you know, that struck a lot of people like, Whoa, we didn't even know that was on the table as an option when he went to Staten Island last year. Um, so that's definitely a big deal. Um yeah, I think that's a good thought. Uh, Add a team in Frederick, Maryland, and take the league by storm in 2023. I believe that was from Andrew Klein, Frederick's GM, and I think baseball ops for both Frederick teams. Crazy undertaking from him. Uh, I hope you do. Uh, Are you staying? We want to know. People want to know. The room mill is spinning, Andrew. Uh, We would love to know what's going on with Frederick long term. Frederick to the ALPB is a good idea. It's a good market. Also possible that considering the league could easily gain or even lose a team. So, like, because, you know, if you add Frederick, well, you're back to, you got Hagerstown, now you have, an odd number of teams again what's there's a problem there not necessarily um it's they might be losing or gaining another team soon there's a lot of rumors on that different conversation different day uh but uh, of course the marketing and branding concerns are brought up early in the show but that's that as for winning the whole thing taking the whole taking the league by storm whatever possible but unlikely the only thing is super tough it is very difficult to come in from outside and get it done um lexington did that but lexington also had you know that was a very different team that year and they had some advantages with Brandon Phillips in town. Um teams, you know, a lot of the teams that start out in the Link League are awful and they're garbage fires. Uh, season one, Gastonia. Season one, Staten Island. Season one high point was good. So, you know, it depends. It's it's quite the undertaking though. Um Yeah. I think that's it. You guys did a good uh, good ideas, man. Love that from you. I'm definitely gonna do that again. I'm definitely gonna ask you your opinion more. Um yeah. Successful day of planning what we're gonna do when we take over Indie Ball. So now get your Viking helmet on and uh storm your local Indie Ball Capital. I wonder what that would be. I should have asked. I should have asked that. Stupid. Drop in the comments, tell me what you think the Indie Ball Capital is. Shoot that shot. Try not to get on a list. I may not have a lot, <laughs> but I love what I got. A four x four and a good fishing spot. Hope this time my card won't decline